Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey guys, it's Dawn. I want to share some mini episodes with you each week to give you some bite-sized insights into how to heal, new ways to think, truth bombs, choices you can make for yourself. I want to encourage you on your healing journey. I want to help you to see through these beautiful shares more of the truth and give you even more inspiration to heal. I believe in you. You can do this. So here is one of our mini episodes. I hope it's helpful. Take a listen. I showed up for a Spanish class an hour late. It's an hour class. I showed up an hour late once because I, after three quarters of the way through the semester, I just got the time wrong. Like, you know, because I was loaded all the time. When I walked across the stage and they called my name, it never occurred to me that you were training for a job in college. College was just the continuation. My family was the continuation of your education. And that after college, you could do whatever you wanted after you had a bachelor's degree. And only my grandmother, and one, one of my father's cousin, a woman did not have a degree. Everybody in my family, they just, everybody has degrees, you know, and some of them, several. So it was just, you went to college. But when I, we crossed the state, I crossed the stage. I was so proud of myself because I graduated, right? And, you know, all the honors and the things. And then they called the next person's name and I went, oh my God, I'm, I'm unemployed. But I knew that my alcoholism was so bad at that point that I probably wouldn't live that long. And so I didn't think about getting a career. 
I just thought about what are some sort of jobs that I could do in order to sort of survive until my liver and kidneys gave out. And when I was 20, that was, you know, I graduated, I was 21. By the time I was 22, you could actually see my liver and kidneys. They were so swollen. And so I knew I was Mm. on my way out. My friends, I worked at summer camps. I love summer camp. I worked at summer camps and my friends from camp had sort of gentleman's bet going on, wondering how long I would live. And I had one friend who thought I would make it past 25. One. And I knew they were right. You know, I was like, yeah, I I, I don't have very long. And what happened is my, I, I was terrified of my father and drinking made me not terrified of him. Well, he died of a massive heart attack one day, just dropped dead. And that was the turning point for me because my drinking over that week got much worse, much worse. And I was drinking at that point two liters or more of hard liquor a day. And I realized, I had a moment of clarity, and I realized that he wasn't the reason that I drank. Because he was gone. I thought I drank because he terrified me. And I realized he's gone, but I'm drinking more. So now alcohol, whether that's the start of the problem is irrelevant. Now, alcohol is the problem. And there was something in me. I just didn't want him to win. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get sober. Wow. And no matter what it took, I was like, he doesn't get to win. And to me, if I died, he won. And so I started the process of, you know, considering sobriety and then actually, you know, trying to get the support that I needed to get sober. That's incredible, isn't it? It's in the end, I think it is the people that really pull through, you have got that something in you, haven't you, that you just want to win you want to beat something yeah I I just was so angry I was like you've taken so much from me Mm. you don't get to take my life on top of it yeah right and you know I had that luxury he's gone right he can't hurt me anymore right so I had that luxury of you know being the only one in the race but still having the motivation you know of him Mm-hmm. And I think two things. I mean, I think, yeah, you have to have some motivation that, you know, they say in 12 step programs, are you willing to, you know, go to any lengths, do this no matter what, you know, and and I think that there's some truth to that, that tenacity. I also, I met a couple of people who were just really gentle with me. They saw how traumatized I was. And I was willing, I think the second part is, I was willing to do what I was told. Because the one thing I was very clear on is I had one way of being, and that way of being was to drink. That I had one solution. And these people, really mentors of mine, they said to me, you know, well, I don't know what it's going to look like for you, but there is recovery from this. You know, which was pretty bold because the truth is back in the 90s, there was not good treatment for trauma, decent treatment for for addiction. But what happened is every time I stopped drinking, the trauma came back up and I had just overwhelming trauma symptoms and I would have to tamp those down with alcohol because I couldn't find good trauma treatment didn't really exist. Mm 
now there's some really effective trauma treatment, but that's how I got into this is because, so fast forward, I'm, you know, and we can come back if you want, but fast forward, I was, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 years sober and the maybe more like six, seven, eight years sober. Anyway, the veterans were starting to come back from Iraq and Afghanistan. And not only were they not, I went to a, a, a mutual aid group that met on Friday nights near the VA hospital and these veterans would come over. That's how I interacted with them. And we got each other, even though the circumstances of my trauma and theirs, the details were very different. The expression of it was very similar. We had similar symptoms. So we were very much kindred spirits and they weren't getting sober. And one who I really just adored, young, young man, 23 years old, Marine, devastating leg injury. All he wanted his whole life was to be a Marine, could not serve any longer because of this leg injury and constant pain. He killed himself, you know, with a a wife and an infant child. And I was in grad school at the time. And I thought, man, this is, I mean, I've been watching this for years. I was suicidal a lot, not quite to the point where I was going to do something about it because then my dad wins, but just miserable with these trauma symptoms. And these, you know, veterans are not, are not making it. And I thought there has to be something better. There has to be better treatment. So I switched everything I was doing and in grad school and started looking at the intersection of addiction and trauma. And that's where I've been for ever since for the last 20 years now. So did you have an understanding that it was trauma? Like before that point, did you understand it was the trauma that was causing you to drink? You did. Absolutely. Absolutely. So my dear friend, Marcel M was one of those mentors and he was from New Orleans he was a best-selling novelist and a jazz pianist, and also at one point well over 500 pounds. And I remember I used to go to these mutual aid groups, and he and I would pick picked the ones that were held at restaurants, and would just plow through food. Mm. And I would see him, and the, and the the one of Saturday night where that wasn't at a restaurant, we all went to a restaurant afterwards, right? But I would see him, you know, three, four times a week at these, you know, restaurants. And I was like, I get you. I didn't talk to him for months. I was like, I get you. And he got me. And and then when he found out that, you know, I was a writer and he was so accomplished, he really just encouraged me. But he said to me, he picked me up one day to take me to a, a meeting and he had a he lived in Bel Air. It's really windy streets. And we were we were in Bel Air and I maybe I had gone to his house. But anyways, I got into his car and we were driving through Bel Air and he had a convertible and he looked at me and he said recovery is possible. And I tried to jump out of the car. And fortunately I had my seatbelt on and he grabbed me. <laughs> but I I'm out. I am out. Like that was like he saw me and I knew, like I had enough understanding. I was like, yes, you know. And so that, I mean, I, I really knew. I am of, on the professional side, I am of the opinion that addiction and trauma aren't really separate diagnoses, you know, that 
I certainly drink in, you know, service of not feeling my feelings that come out of, you know, post-traumatic stress. That doesn't mean that everyone who develops addiction has diagnosable trauma, post-traumatic stress or post-traumatic stress disorder, however you want to say it. But I know I've worked with thousands of people. And I know one person who genuinely says, I have no idea how I became an addict. He's like, I had a great life, great upbringing, all the advantages. We weren't poor, like all the best schools. And I just partied myself into this. I genuinely know one person. So, I mean, everything has an anomaly, right? Mm. But I, I don't know anyone else who's like, yeah, no, some things really went bad. And what they'll say to me is, you know, whatever it is, whether it's drugs or it's alcohol or it's, you know, some behavior, whether it's sex or food or gambling, they'll all say, it helps me to manage my feelings, right? And mm-hmm. so that is a, that's a trauma. That's a response to trauma. So I really look at it. So I, yeah, I definitely knew. I definitely knew that trauma was the root of, of my drinking. I hope you got something out of hearing this beautiful share. If you liked this mini episode edition, please share it with someone you know needs to hear it. Post it on Instagram and tag me in. I would love to connect. I love you. I believe in you. And I'll talk to you again soon.